Have you noticed that so many people go through life without a plan? There's no vision for where they're going. For example, years ago, I was in seminary, and I had to commute about an hour and a half one way to get to class, and I wrote a paper the day before for class and left it at my church building, First Methodist Church downtown, went home, got up the next morning at 5.30 a.m. I realized I left my paper at the church. Some of you are younger, say, why didn't you just print out a new one? Why didn't you just email it? This was 17 years ago or so. This was one step past, click, 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 rip, click, 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 rip, white out, okay? So this, I had to go back there, print out a new one. And so I rushed to the church as early as I could to get there. And I took out my uh, little key card to get in, put it up against a little beeper thing, and it wouldn't let me in. Panicked, couldn't get my paper, early in the morning, had to get to class. What I realized is there was probably a timer set that you could only get in during certain hours. So I panicked, I prayed, I panicked, I remembered, thank God, that I always left my window up on the second story out on the edge unlocked because no one in their right mind would ever climb up the second story of First United Methodist Church in downtown. And so I decided I'd just scale the building and go get in my office that way. I climbed up the outside of the carport, stood on top of this thing, looked all the way over there, realized it was a really long ledge, started going along the side of the building like this as carefully as I could, Scared to death, looked down. I came to my window was on the other side of a ledge, and so I took this giant step around, held on underneath the window like this, and I went to lift it, and someone had locked my window. <laughs> For the first time, I decided to look down, and when I did, my heart sank. I froze. I was, I was, I was paralyzed, totally didn't know what to do, couldn't figure out, I was afraid to go back, and I was standing there, clinging for my life, 6 a.m., no cell phone, no way to get help, and I just started begging God to send somebody, please. 30 minutes later, somebody finally came walking down the street. I said, hey. They're looking up, they're like, would you mind calling for help? And they're like, I'll dial the police right now since you're trying to break in. Well, anyway. The fire department came, lifted the ladder up there, and took Pastor Craig off of the second story building at First United Methodist Church at 7 a.m. in the morning. If you're taking notes, write this down. Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. Could you say that aloud with me at churches all over the world? Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. Let me ask you all a question. How many of you would like to end up one day financially free? You don't owe anybody anything. You're totally debt free. You can give generously whenever God calls you. How many of you would love to end up there? Yeah. How many of you would love to end up one day in great physical shape? If you get invited to go swimming, you can actually show up. How many would say, I would love to be there. How many of you, if you're not married, you'd love to end up one day married with a very, 
very intimate, thriving, strong Christian marriage. How many say I would love to end up there with generations of Christ followers to come after you? How many of you would love to end up so close to God that you know you're delighting him in all you do, that you please him with this life, and one day he says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. How many of you say, I would love to end up there? Let me promise you, you can end up at those places, but you will not end up there by accident. I promise you, you will not stumble upon success. Everyone ends up somewhere but few people end up somewhere on purpose. Our key verse for today is found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 29, verse 18. If you can, all of our churches, can you guys help me out and say this aloud? Scripture teaches where there is no vision. Everybody say no vision. vision. Where there is no vision, what does the Bible say? The people what? The people perish. Where there is no vision, the the Hebrew word that's translated as vision is the word chazon. Everybody say chazon. Very good. When you say it, you have to kind of act like you're going to hack a loogie. you got to like that. So if you hack a loogie on a person's neck in front of you, just say, Kazon, I'm sorry about that, okay? This, this is not to be confused with uh, Calazon, no, uh, or Casonas, which is Spanish for underwear. This is not what we're talking about. This is the Hebrew word Kazon, and if you're taking notes, it means a dream, a revelation, or a vision, where there is no chazon, where there is no vision for a godly family, half of the marriages end up in divorce. Where there is no vision for financial freedom, you can live in a very wealthy part of the world and still live paycheck to paycheck, always worried about money where there is no vision for a uh, godly body, a body that's healthy and would honor God, you can live in a very good part of the world and still be fat and out of shape and unhealthy. Where there is no vision for a great ministry or to make a lasting difference, you can stumble through life always hoping for something better, knowing that God has something out there for you, but always living dissatisfied and under God's potential for your life. Where there is no vision, no kazon, the people perish. In fact, um, I've written uh, quite a few books, and whenever someone says, what's your favorite book, the right answer always is, my next one. It's the right answer. But truthfully, when people ask me, what's your favorite book? My favorite book, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is my first one with the title, Kazon. And what we've done is something I'm very, very excited about. We've put together a six-session teaching called the Kazon Experience. At churches all over the world, you'll have the opportunity to gather together with other people to seek God, to hear from him as to what his vision his plan would be for your life. And the good news is you can wake up every day knowing this is what I was created to do. And in the Kazone experience, we want to help you to do that. Now, if you're in parts of the world where maybe you're not doing this with your church, you can go to kazone.com and all the sessions are there free. You can download a study guide. And I sincerely pray that you would gather with whoever you can, seek God passionately, Hear from him about his kazon. He did not put you here by accident. You are created by God, placed at this moment in history, because this is the time that you can best 
bring glory to him. Everyone ends up somewhere, but you won't. You will end up somewhere on purpose because you're seeking God for his kazon, his vision for your life. You may wonder where this idea come from. It was about 10 years ago that I had one of the most frustrating moments in uh, my leadership as a pastor. I gathered together with about 100 or so of the best leaders from our church, and I asked a question that I thought was really important. I asked this question, and I wonder how you would answer this. I, I, I said, if money were no object to you, what would you do with the rest of your life? Such a telling question. If money were no object to you, what would you do with the rest of your life? And what I fully expected people to say would be things like, you know, I would um, help inner city kids. I would um, devote my life to building orphanages. Or I would uh, help dig water wells. But instead, here's what almost everyone said, the best leaders in our church. They said, oh, man, their, their first response, if money was no object, um, I'd buy a bigger house. I, I would, I'd get a boat. I'd travel all over the world and take exotic vacations. Let me pause for a moment and ask you this. Do you really think that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, who shed his blood, died and rose again, so our greatest dream in life could be to go on vacation? But do you really think that that's what God has for us, would be to live a self-centered, consumeristic dream for our lives. Where there is no kazon, no vision, people stumble through life making it up as they go along. This will not be you. So here's what I want to do, just to set you up for the kazon experience that I believe will totally transform your life. I wanted to show you the four phases of kazon. In fact, if you look at all the greats from the Bible, if you look at Moses, if you look at David, if you look at Esther, if you look at Paul, if you look at Nehemiah, over and over and over again, you'll see people who had a vision from God that every single one of them experienced these four different and very distinct phases on the way to God's kazon, his vision, his reason for their existence. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 20, and let me just give you the context uh, for Acts 20. Paul was ministering in Ephesus. This was a place where uh, one of the churches that he had started, and he was crazy about this place. He totally loved the people. He loved the ministry, but God started to stir within him, much like God has been stirring or will stir in many of you. And he realized God was calling him to something bigger, something new, and something different. And so with tremendous sorrow, he gathered the elders together. These were the people that he'd, he'd bled with spiritually. And he, and he came in and said, guys, uh, this breaks my heart, but God's calling me to something else. And with tremendous sorrow, he just opened up about this and said, I'm supposed to go move on. Some of you, God's going to do that. God's going to show you something bigger, something different, something better, a kazon. And what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to say goodbye to where you are, leave your comfort zone, take a step of faith into a place that's not totally known in order to go where God wants you to go. 
You're going to have to leave the comfort of the known and take the step of faith. And so here's what he says. He's, he's very emotional. He's teared up, speaking to his friends, the elders, in verse 22. He says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Four phases of kazon. The first one, if you're taking notes, and if you haven't experienced this, I pray that you do in the kazon experience as you're seeking God. The first phase is always the Spirit's prompting. Write that down. The Spirit's prompting. Uh, verse 22, the beginning of the verse, he says, and now what? Would you, all of you at all the churches help me out. He says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. In other words, this wasn't my idea. This was the Holy Spirit's idea. Compelled by the Spirit. The phrase that's translated compelled by the Spirit is the phrase deo honuma. Everybody say that. Deo honuma. Deo, deo is the Greek word. If you're taking notes, it's translated com compelled or it means bound, or it means wrapped with cords. Pneuma is the word that's translated as spirit, or current of air, or breeze of the spirit. Deo honuma. Many of you, you have had, or you will have, a deo honuma moment, where you're wrapped up, you're bound by the spirit where the Spirit of God just moves you, pulls you, tugs on you, where you see something and you think, that can't be, that shouldn't be, I could do something about that. I wish it wasn't. There's something moving me out of my comfort zone into this step of faith to do something more. I can feel it. I'm, I'm being pulled towards something. Like if you go into the mall and around the corner is a place that's making fresh cinnamon rolls and you can smell it and you're, you're bound by the cinnamon roll spirit. Just, there's something drawing you in that direction. You, you just feel it. That's good preaching. It's, it's pulling you toward there. And you just, you know I'm being moved in this direction. It's not something you can quantify. It's just a, it's a deo honuma. It's the move of the Spirit. I was in my early 20s when I visited uh, one of my mentors, Bill Hybels, his church in Chicago, and they were doing church in a totally different way. And I remember just the whole time my mouth opened, just floored. Could it be possible to, to present the gospel and see so many people come to Christ. And I remember after three days at this conference, getting in this little minivan with our staff of seven people from our church, driving away, and I looked off at this church, and it was like a bad scene from a movie. Tears were going down my eyes as I heard, oh, as I looked down, like, could I, would it ever, is it possible that one day, I could do church in a non-traditional way, taking the timeless message of the gospel and presenting it in a fresh way. And it just there's something in me that said, it's gotta be. It's gotta happen. For this you were born. Deo Honuma. Some of you in the past, you felt that stirring. There was something in you that said, I was created for this. This bothers me in such a way, I can't stay where I am. I've got to move to where God's calling me. I, I'm willing to leave what I love and that which is comfortable because I'm wrapped up, bound by the cord of the Spirit. I, I've experienced 
the tugging of the Spirit of God. Deo Honuma, in the Kazon experience, we want to help you to seek God through his word, look at the gifts that he's given you, the experiences that he's given you, the values, the thing that you value, as they all point toward your divine kazon, the Deo Honuma experience, the Spirit's prompting. The first phase of kazon is always the Spirit's prompting. The second phase is what I call certain uncertainty. The Spirit speaks, and then you go, now what? I think I heard from God, but I don't know what to do next. Verse 22, the next part of the verse. Uh, he says, I'm compelled by the Spirit. Now I'm going to Jerusalem. Everybody help me out. Does he say, I know for sure? No, he says, not knowing what will happen to me there. In other words, I know that I'm supposed to do this, but that's all I know. I'm not really sure what's going to happen next. Some of you, you'll experience this at different points in your life. Uh, you may see, I believe God's calling me to marry this person, but, you know, what if she turns into psycho chick? It happens. I've seen it. You know, and so I need, I need assurances. I need details. Um, God's calling me to leave my very secure job and go start a business. Well, I need a guarantee. I need details. God's calling me to take a step of faith and start this ministry. It's the Deo Honuma. I need details. God, I believe, will often say, I'm not going to give you details because you can't handle the details. If you knew all the details, you may say no to my assignment. I'm telling you right now, if I knew all that this ministry was going to cost in the early years emotionally, and I probably would have said, uh-uh, no, get somebody else. God says, I'm calling you to this, but you can't handle the details right now. I'm telling you, you have to take the step out into the certain uncertainty and walk by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We want guarantees. God says, no, the only guarantee is if you'll trust me and follow the voice of my spirit. It's a little bit like my uh, second son, Buki, the first time uh, I put him on a four-wheeler. It's like a motorcycle with four wheels. It is a gift from God for young boys. Uh, he was scared to death. I knew uh, this is going to be fun. I said, Buki, let's get on this thing. Uh, Buki's not his real name, by the way. His real name's Stephen, but his older brother called him Booby, which was unacceptable, so we changed it to Buki. It stuck. <laughs> Buki got on this four-wheeler, and he was screaming the whole time, no, Daddy, I'm scared. And then we'd go, and he'd say, wee I said, and then, no, Daddy, I'm scared, wee And then there was a bump about this high, and about five miles an hour. He said, don't go over the bump. We went over the bump. He's like, wee let's do it again. And that's what happens when you follow God? There's a sense of, oh no, and, and we, and oh no, we, and where you, you experience the thrill of living by faith. All, all I know is God's calling me to do this, but I don't know what's going to happen next. It's the Deo Honuma followed by the moment of uncertainty. In the Kazon experience, what we're going to do is we're going to teach you about what I call the power of the next step. God has given us this big vision, but how do we get there? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to learn how to take the next step. If you ask me, Craig, what's you know, behind the blessings of what God has done through your ministry? Well, it's really a couple things. It's that I really seek God to hear from him for vision. He gives me the ability to see what's supposed to happen off in the future. And then what I do is simply take the very next step. Here's the way I like to say it. If you're taking notes, I like to say this. I will do today what I can do to enable me to do tomorrow what I can't do today. Everybody, repeat after me. I will do today. Again, I will do today 
what I can do to enable me to do tomorrow what I can't do today. I will do today what I can do today to enable me to do tomorrow what I can't do today. God has given me this day of honuma, this vision, this compelling towards something, but I don't know how to do it. So what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna write down this vision. This is what we do with our kids. Some friends of ours, the Yates, came up with this idea called the vision wall, and we'll do a version of this in the Kazone experience. We ask our kids to put sticky notes on the wall of their vision. One daughter wants to write a book. One wants to own a Christian dance studio. Uh, one wants to invent something. One of my sons wants to preach. Another one wants to work at a GameStop where they sell used games. I've convinced Buki, though, that we're going to start a business, and then we're going to buy GameStop, and Buki's all up into that, my friend. And... Uh, Jojo, my youngest daughter, she wants to uh, make donuts and sell them door to door. We're working on her vision. She's only six. And so we've got the vision written on the wall. Here's what we're supposed to do. But to a nine-year-old, I want to preach a sermon is very overwhelming, isn't it? I mean, how do you do that when you're nine? So we take on top of those post-it notes, we put the next step. We put another little one there. This is the next step. So Sam's next step to preach a sermon was to interview dad who's preached a lot of sermons. And so we interviewed dad, and so we determined the next step is to determine what do we want to talk about. That's doable. What verse have you read that you really love? What topic is important to you? That's doable. Once we determine that next step, then we're going to look for some other verses. That's doable. We're going to ta- find some stories. That's doable. And here's what's going to happen. Step by step We're going to move toward the vision. Many of you, you've had the vision, but you haven't taken the first step. You won't be able to see step five because God says you can't comprehend step five until you take step one, two, three, and four. We're going to help you do what you can do today to enable you to do tomorrow what you can't do today because God will give you kazon vision, a passion, the deo honuma, the spirit's prompting, the certain uncertainty. I know I'm supposed to, but I don't quite know how. Do today what you can do to enable you to do tomorrow what you can't do today. Everybody say spirit's prompting. prompting. Everybody say certain uncertainty. uncertainty. Number three phase of kazone is always predictable resistance. As you step out, you can put it on your calendar that your spiritual enemy is going to come and try to talk you out of it or do something to throw you off course. Verse 23, Paul says, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that blessings and pleasures are to come. No, no, I messed it up, didn't I? (laughs) Only that prison and hardships are facing me. In other words, there's going to be an enemy that's going to try to stop me from doing what God uniquely called and created me to do. You can see it in every great story in the Bible. Moses, we got to get these people free. Pharaoh, predictable resistance. Joseph, I've got this vision to be a great leader today. Brothers, say, no, we like your coat. We don't like you. We're throwing you into a pit. We're selling you into slavery. Vision, resistance. Nehemiah, I've got a burden. I've got to rebuild this wall. It consumes me. Sambalot and Tobiah. No, we're not going to let you do it. It's the predictable resistance. Let me just promise you, when you hear from God and you take a step of faith, all hell's going to break loose. You get a vision to have a godly marriage, and you say, you know what, we're going to pray together. And you start praying, your wife doesn't like the way you pray, and the next thing you know, there's a shoe flying 
across the room at you. Why? Because you took a step in the direction and there's predictable resistance. You, you want to get financially free and so you take a step toward it. Something's going to break by Friday. Something expensive because that's just kind of how it happens. You get a vision to get in great shape. You go to the grocery store to buy fruit. Twinkies will be on sale for 75% off. You can just know it because there will be the predictable resistance and you have to press through that. Many of you, God is going to stir in you today, and you're going to want to step into the certain uncertainty, and something's going to cause you to pause, press through it. What is your next step? I'm guessing for many of you, it is the Kazone experience. It's to press through the, oh, I'm too busy, the, oh, I don't have time, the, oh, it's not going to really matter, and you press through whatever the resistance is, and when you do, you will move to phase four. There is the Spirit's prompting. There is the certain uncertainty. There is the predictable resistance. And number four, if you're taking notes, there's what I call uncommon clarity. And this is where God wants you to live. People ask me sometimes, Craig, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? It's a big question. I'm going to show you my very favorite verse in all of the Bible, and it's this one. Uncommon clarity. Verse 24, here's what Paul says. And you, ha you have to feel the power of this statement. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. In other words, you can kill me. I, if I can do this, not a, there's nothing else that matters. If only I may finish the race and do what, everybody? And complete the task. In other words, I can see it. I've had the day of Honuma. Here, this is why I exist. This is my somewhere on purpose. I'm not going to end up somewhere. I'm going to end up somewhere. This is it. This is my kazon. This is my dream, this is my revelation, this is my vision. If only I can do this, the task the Lord Jesus has given me, and that is the task of what? He said the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. This is why I pray to God that if you haven't experienced the power of Kazone, that you will. Because when you have the clarity, this is what I was created to do. You can endure the pain. You can overcome the temptation. You wake up daily with this focus and this passion and this divine drive because you know why you are here. You're not an accident. You've been put here by God to do something. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I am created by God through the local church to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ that I am doing precisely what God put me on earth to do. If I died tomorrow, besides missing watching my kids grow up and making out with my wife as many times as she'll say yes, <laughs> besides that, I'm telling you, no regrets. Not a single one. Not, not one ounce of a regret because I am doing what God called me to do. I consider my life worth nothing. If only I may do, and when you get to that point, you'll be like Nehemiah was in the Old Testament. He had the vision, the walls were down over Jerusalem, and he's like, somebody's got to do something about this. You have no idea. He cried, he got down on his face, he spent days fasting and praying, and God said, your burden, your assignment. 
Deo honuma, spirit's prompting. Certain uncertainty, what do I do next? I don't know what to do. Oh, I'll go set an appointment and that's what I, that, that take the next step. Predictable resistance. Sambalot and Tobias show up. He starts doing the wall, building the wall. In just a few days, everyone else says that's totally impossible. You can never, ever do it. The resistance comes. Sambalot sends a, uh, a messenger to him, say, hey, let's come down and have this little meeting. And here's what he says. Look at the uncommon clarity. Nehemiah 6, 3. He says, he's up on the wall. He's working away. He's living his kazon. He says, so I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a what? Everybody say it aloud. All of our churches. He said, I'm doing a? Again, one more time. I'm doing a great work. And so what did he say? So I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? I'm, I am doing what I was created by God to do. You see, I'm doing a great work. You can't tempt me with any kind of offer. You got a job for me making more money? I, I can't be bought. You've got something that's going to provide me more comforts? I'm not living for comforts. You've got something that's going to make me more popular? My, my audience is not you. I'm living for an audience of one. You see, I know why I was created. I was created by God in heaven, placed at this moment in history. I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I can build this wall. If only I can tell people about Christ. If only I can, can heal my marriage and have a godly marriage and raise generations of Christ followers. If only I can have this business take off so I can fund uh, my local church or, or build orphanages around the world. Or if only I can get to the place where I can disciple young girls so that they don't get pregnant before they're married and end up ruining their life. If only I can get into the inner city. I tell you I can love those kids out of their, their darkness into a place where they can know Christ the way I do. If only I could mentor young uh, teenage boys who feel called to ministry. If only I could, if money were no object to you, what would you do with the rest of your life? Deo honuma, let God speak to you. Spirit's prompting. Certain uncertainty. Predictable resistance. Take the next step. And when you step, step by step, faithfully led by the Spirit, one day you're going to say, I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. This is what I was created to do. You can't talk me out of this. There, there is nothing that's going to stop me from living my kazon. Because everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. You will end up somewhere on purpose. I'll pray this prayer for you. This was prayed centuries ago by a guy named Sir Francis Drake, and he said this. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves when our dreams have come true because we've dreamed too little, when we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore, disturb us, Lord, when we've dreamed too little, when we've ended up somewhere but not somewhere on purpose. God, give your people kazon, vision, purpose, focus, and clarity. At all of our churches today, as you're praying, many of you, you, you know that you are created for more. You're not just a, a paycheck. You're not just paying a mortgage. 
You're not just trying to get your kids from here to there. You're not just trying to graduate college. You know there's a divine purpose. But you're not quite sure what it is. Or maybe you've sensed it, but you haven't had the courage to take the next step. If you, if you really believe deep down there is a divine reason for you being here, and you want to be able to say like Paul, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may what? Would you lift up your hands right now if you have that desire? I really want to know what it is. Lift up your hands. I want to live it. I want to see it. I want to experience. I want kazone. As hands are up all over the place, I pray, God, in the name of your risen son, Jesus, that our greatest vision would not be a nicer house or a more comfortable life, but a life that would please and honor you in every way. God, I pray for those who would take your call seriously, who would take the next step and experience that the power of your word through fellowship in the Kazone experience. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts that lives would never, ever be the same. God, I pray that people would experience the Deo Honuma, that you would speak to them. God, that they would have the faith to take the next step through the certain uncertainty. And then when resistance comes, they would stay true and never quit persevering through the hard times. And God, I pray they would live with uncommon clarity, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt for this they were created and they would live in such a way that they would end up somewhere on purpose doing what you created them to do. May it be so. As you keep praying today, all of our locations, let's just talk even, even more into the distant future. You're going to die one day. Promise you. Medically proven, one out of one people die. You're going to die. Everyone ends up somewhere. A few people end up somewhere on purpose. You will spend eternity somewhere. Where's it going to be? You may take a chance, and you may hope, well, you know, I hope, I'm, you know, hope my good works are good enough. hope I haven't been too bad. Let me tell you what Scripture says. The Bible says all of us have been too bad for God. God's standard is perfection, and all of us fall short. We're born cursed with sin. We are born into a sinful world, and our sin separates us from a holy God. But let me tell you what God did. God had the end in mind before the beginning ever started, and he sent his son Jesus, who was sinless, who became the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus bled, died, and rose again, not so we could buy a boat, but so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be filled with the Spirit of God, so that we could know his purpose, live a life that would glorify him on earth, and spend eternity with him in heaven. That's why many of you are here. You say, I'm not really sure where I stand with God. If you're not sure, it's time to be sure today and say, God, I, I beg you to forgive me of my sins, and when you do, he will. Scripture says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will make you new. You will be filled with the Spirit of God. He will speak to you, and you will never have to live life again without purpose. And more importantly, when you are said and done with this life, you will stand before him in heaven, and he will say, welcome into the eternity I prepared for you, not because you are good enough, but because you believed in the one who was my son Jesus. All of our churches today, those of you who would say, you know what, I, I, am, I don't know where I stand with God, but today by faith, I want to give my life to Jesus. Jesus, take my life, be the savior of my life. I want to know you. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. If that's your prayer today, all of our churches, would you just raise your hands high right now and just say, yes, that's me. Praise God for you as, as hands are going up all over the place to say, yes, that is me. Those of you at church online, you click right below me and say, I want to give my life 
to Christ. Would you all just pray aloud together? Pray, Heavenly Father, take all of my life. I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you. Give me kazon, vision. Help me to end up somewhere on purpose where you want me to be doing what you want me to do, all for your glory. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. All of our churches give God praise for what he's done and who he is.